Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am here to discuss a really outstanding Monday NBA main slate, 10-game NBA slate, and I love it. I'm excited about it. Double-digit slates always are my favorite. I think it gives us an edge, you know, based on all of our preparation. And uh, just excited to discuss that uh, with you uh, today. Also, uh, this week, um, you know, the nice thing about it is uh, Thanksgiving, no NBA on Thanksgiving. Christmas is the special day for NBA, but it does give us that day to enjoy family, friends, and catch some football. Uh, so definitely follow us this week, uh, NFL-wise. I know our guys are working really hard, uh, Andrew Hansen, Josh Davis, and uh, our man Omaha, Joe Stanton, um, and also John Wehausen doing the, the analytics. So uh, please follow us this week for the NFL. That's going to be a busy, uh, busy week with Thanksgiving football. And then as far as the NBA goes, we're going to hit this 10-game slate tomorrow. Uh, today. Tomorrow's just a four-gamer, and that's why we don't have many back-to-backs here at all. We have two teams out of the 20 on the slate today on the second night of a back-to-back. Nobody on the first night. So that gives us a little bit cleaner look at the slate as well. Uh, Andrew will tackle tomorrow's four-gamer. And then I'll be back on Wednesday with a massive 13-game slate. Uh, I believe it's 13, either Wednesday or Friday or both. Uh, just huge slate. So uh, we'll we'll go out with a, a turkey uh, coma, as you will, here for Wednesday and Thursday. But uh that's sort of the, the way uh, our schedule is this week at DFS Coach Talk. We'd love to have you join us. Go to DFSCoachTalk.com. Uh, you can sign up for as little as a three-day pass for $10, five-day for $19, and just check us out through this holiday stretch. If you're off work, you have a little extra time, uh, this is a perfect uh, opportunity to check us out. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, please take a second, hit the thumbs up. Hit the subscribe button and give us a comment. Just enjoyed it. Uh, good, in, you know, whatever. You know, if it's a question, uh, if it's a positive statement, whatever you'd like. Uh, that really helps us move up the algorithm here at YouTube. And if you're listening on any of our audio podcast spots, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, we are everywhere they can be heard. Uh, take a second. Give us a five-star rating and a quick comment. Um, we have a contest that we draw one a one week free membership at Coach Talk. We draw that at the end of every month, so we have just over a week left. So uh, you know, just by putting a five star and a comment, that qualifies you for the random drawing. All right, that is it. We're gonna go after it. We've been doing a little bit of the uh, prep work on the front side so that we get this all prepared and ready to go and. Uh, then we're just diving in. We're going to fire through 10 games here. We're going to give you a, a breakdown, a statistical uh, look at it, a good analysis there, and also just what we're seeing from game to game, from team you know, play to trends to you know, body language of players, coach, uh, coaching tendencies. And we do have a coaching change. We did predict it and have been calling for it for about a year here on Coach Talk. Uh, Walton, Luke Walton fired for the Sacramento Kings and taking over for like the nine millionth time is Mr. Alvin Gentry, 
I think he's like 75 years old, I swear. But anyway, he's you just never die as an, an NBA coach. You just get reincarnated in another position somewhere. So very interesting. So I wish him well. Uh, can't be worse than what Walton did there. So it'll be fun to watch that. All right. Here we go. Game number one. It is the Brooklyn Nets and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Brooklyn minus seven. The total's only 208 and a half. Uh, implied for Brooklyn, 107.75. 100.75 for the banged up Cleveland Cavaliers. Brooklyn comes in at an impressive 12 and five. Cleveland still over 500, though, 9 and 8. Nobody expected that uh, or saw that coming. Out for Brooklyn is Bruce Brown, Claxton, Joe Harris, and Kyrie still remains out. So a little shakeup in that lineup with uh, a shorter rotation. For Cleveland, uh, we've got two that are uh, doubtful. That's Jetty Osmond and uh, Stevens. And then we already know Mobley is out. So uh, very uh, short hand a little bit here on both sides. All right, so let's look statistically speaking. Brooklyn is 10th in pace, Cleveland 21st. Offensive efficiency, Brooklyn we know could score the ball. They're up to ninth. Um, Cleveland somehow, just because of defense, I guess, because offensively they're not getting it done to, be, uh, to have nine, nine wins under their belt. They're 25th. Pace of play is good here, though. Uh, uh, you know, so with with Brooklyn being 10th, it's a pace up game for Cleveland. So you can look at a decent pace, but the over under scares you and the game could blow out with Cleveland being a little bit even more shorthanded than than Brooklyn. Defensive efficiency is the other thing that's a little uh, scary here. Uh, fifth for Brooklyn, 11th for Cleveland. And I think that's what's keeping that number down. Uh, it's hard not to want to start the night with either James Harden at 11-6 or Kevin Durant at 11. It's you know becomes necessary at times to have one of those guys. Um, I lean in this game uh, back to the KD side. He was rested up. Uh, Harden sort of carried the load the last game. So Durant, if you can uh, find enough value, which there is a ton of value and more will open up as the day goes on. KD certainly an interesting play. After that, you can always go, uh, you know, bargain basement here with Patty Mills at 4-5. Um, LaMarcus even at 5K. If he gets big run, they've been going to him a lot. And then also DeAndre Bembry at 3-1 has a very good chance to start here uh, with both Bruce Brown and uh, Joe Harris out. So, you know, Bembry a target possibly. Mills, you certainly can get some value out of this game to balance uh, if you want to uh, play Durant or Harden. Again, I'm leading uh, a little bit more towards Durant. On the Cleveland side, um, you know, Rubio and Garland have been the two guys to go to, uh, but they're expensive here. 7-2 for Garland, 6-8 for Rubio. A little more expensive than they have been. Uh, certainly both can be played here, but Brooklyn's defense, man, I mean, last year that was the thing. When they put this team together, uh, they were – 30th for a while and then they moved up a little bit to be fifth this year uh, with pretty much the same team just a couple of changes uh, very impressive so not looking to stack up any Cleveland guys by any uh, standard but 
you know, you do have a bunch of value of guys that are going to get a bunch of minutes. Um, Lori Barkening could be back and should be back. And he's certainly can score the basketball. He's only 5K. We don't know what type of restriction there. I'm not going to go there on, you know, with 20 teams playing. Uh, you don't have to go to those kind of spots like Dean Wade, 5-3, Okoro, 5. Again, you know, if you want somebody that's going to play 30-plus minutes on the cheap, you can go there. I just, it's, you know, they can throw up some duds. Uh, Rubio, again, though, still has been terrific off the bench. And Garland, those would be the, the two guys I would at least consider. All right, game two, also 7 p.m. Eastern, Charlotte Hornets, Washington Wizards. Washington's favored by three and a half. It's a 216 and a half uh, total, 106.5 implied for Charlotte. 110, nice number. I like the 110 plus in this day and age of the NBA. Hard to believe, but that really is solid. I mean, it used to be 120 uh, was a super solid, but now it's it's all the way down to to 110. So that that gets a little bit of attention. Charlotte is 10 and 8, Washington 11 and 5 injuries. We have questionable tag on PJ Washington. He may be back, which will muddle up that rotation for the bigs in Charlotte. And then we've got questionable tag on Bertans for Washington. Uh, and then Bryant and Hashimura uh, remain out. Um, from a statistical standpoint, Second fastest pace team in the league in Charlotte. So big pace up for Washington. Washington's all the way down to 23rd. You know, they played a much more conservative uh, approach, defensive uh, being uh, something that they've really focused on. So they're only 23rd. And then offensive efficiency, Charlotte 10th, Washington 18th. Defense, though, uh, you know, Charlotte not getting it done. That's why they've lost some of these games and some of the tight ones down the stretch. They are 25th in defensive defensive efficiency. Washington is ninth, so they remain in the top 10. LaMelo Ball, always an option to pay up. 10-2, though, pretty hefty tag there, but you can, you can definitely consider it. After that, <clears throat> Rogier at 6K has not quite clicked yet. A little high on Hayward at 6'8 for his output. Miles Bridges has been the guy to go to. Um, he is 8'2, um, but <clears throat> definitely has some upside and could be considered. I'm probably not going to go there. Bench guys not jumping off the board for me for, for uh, Charlotte. On the Washington side, <clears throat> I'm not as excited to go at 9'3 Beal. Rozier's defense, I think, is tough. And, uh, you know, even though it's a big pace up game for them, Bill should get a few more shots up. I just don't want to use my spend up uh, card on him. Spencer Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie's $2,000 less at 7-3 um, and could be in play. Uh, you know, I have noticed, though, they don't extend him very hard when, you know, he's more playable when Bill sits for sure. But when Beal plays, you know, they're still getting uh, some minutes off the bench for uh, Howell Neto and uh, Aaron Holiday. So, yeah, not as crazy about that play. Um, Kuzma at 6-6 is in play. You know, he's rebounded the ball really well. I think, you know, you can consider him at that fair price. 
Then you have that dilemma of the two bigs. And for me, again, on a slate this big, even though both of them could make uh, value here, 4-4 four, four Gafford and 6-2 Harrell, I just am not really thrilled with uh, any type of timeshare <clears throat> on monster slates like this. All right, we move to the 7.30 p.m. slot. Houston Rockets, Boston Celtics. Boston favored by a big 11.5. We know Houston has really struggled. 214 is the total, 101.25 implied for Houston, a nice 112.75 uh, for the Celtics. So that gets you definitely interested and paying attention. As far as injuries go, we do need news on Kevin Porter Jr. He's questionable. That definitely changes their rotation. Uh, it, you know, it definitely helps Green. And a couple of the other guys. So let's, you know, hear that info. We know Wall's out for the year. Looks like Jalen Brown is probably going to play. Uh, so that's a good, that's good news. Uh, the big news, though, is Robert Williams, the second. Uh, he missed the last one. He is questionable here. And that definitely helps uh, to get that news. Houston is one in 15. So not very promising. Celtics nine and eight and trying to get some momentum. So certainly you've got to be a little concerned with blowout potential here. It's in Boston. Um, and, you know, for that reason, it scares me. I mean, yes, if they blow them out, some Boston guys are going to have to play really well. But with Jalen Brown back in the mix, that takes the luster off of Jason Tatum. And Tatum's 10-1, Brown's 9-6. So with that being split up again, you know, you still have Al Horford at 7-6 if, if Williams is out is decent play. But if Williams is back at 6-1, uh, you know, it's hard there because they are going to split some of those rebounds up and uh, some of the defensive stats, etc. So really, um, you know, Dennis Schroeder's been terrific from a DFS standpoint in Brown's absence. But again, that knocks the luster off of him at 6-8. So not really crazy, even though that's a strong total of 112.75 for Boston. Houston on the other side, again, if Porter plays, you know, it's uh, it definitely depletes the, the aspect of trying to get some guys in here. Uh, Jalen Green at 4.7, if Porter sits, I think is playable. Um, <clears throat> Christian Wood can be considered at 7.6. Uh, but again, you know, blowout potential, they're using, you know, Tate, uh, Tice, Gordon, Jengun, KJ Martin's getting minutes, Housk is getting minutes, uh, even Nawaba and Augustine at times. So I really don't like this game. I don't like how it sets up. Uh, Houston is the fastest paced team in the, in the uh, league. So that makes you want to say, hey, you know, let's get some Boston guys in here. But, you know, the best guys are expensive. And if you make the wrong choice there or they split it up or it blows out, uh, it really could blow up uh, in your blow up your whole roster. Boston's 20th in pace. Uh, offensive efficiency, Houston last. Boston 15th. Defense, nothing to write home about. Houston 21st. Boston is up to 12th. So they're in that upper half. And like I say, this game just doesn't give me good vibes. I am going to move on. Another 7:30 game: Oklahoma City and Atlanta. Now you got the double whammy here as well. You've got the same exact 
uh, spread with Atlanta favored by 11 and a half, and it's at home. Uh, 212 and a half, a little bit less of a total. 100.5 implied for uh, Oklahoma City, 112 for Atlanta. So similar type situation here that we really have to uh, dig into. Uh, the Thunder are 6 and 10, which isn't that bad considering uh, that they're not very good. And Atlanta only 8 and 9, but this would get them back to 500. I know they want to scoop this game, and I think they could you know, lay one on the Thunder here. We will see. The big news is they'll definitely lay one on them if Shea uh, doesn't play. Uh, Gilgis Alexander is questionable. Massive news there because if he doesn't play, it really does bring a player or two in, in play for the Thunder. I know they use a deep bench, but you know we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But that certainly would open up a massive amount of usage. Bogdanovich is questionable uh, for Atlanta. He's been nursing an injury for quite some time. And Hunter and Okongwu remain out. As far as statistically speaking, we've got um, Oklahoma City 11th in pace, Atlanta 15th, so reasonable enough there. Offensive efficiency, Oklahoma City, again, you know, the young teams always just log jam the bottom of the, the uh, offensive efficiency statistic, and Oklahoma City's 29th. Uh, Atlanta is sixth, so they can score the ball. We all know that. Where they have really struggled this year is defensively. Their, their defense has been atrocious. Um, Oklahoma City's defense, why they've won some games, is 13th, so they're in the upper half, while Atlanta, who went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, is 27th in defense. So, again, it does create some situations here where you can look at some guys. Uh, if Shea is ruled in and there's no uh, minutes restrictions, he's only 7-6 uh, against a pretty you know weak backcourt defensively for Atlanta. So if Shea's in, he's in play for me. If he sits, got, here are the guys that I would consider. There's, there's three of them. Dort at 5-1, Giddy at 6, and Baisley at 4-9. Those three guys, uh, to me, in play if uh, if Shea sits. After that, I mean, they go deep. They've got such a, a, a big bench, you know, favors, uh, JRE, uh, Williams, Pokacheski, uh, Ty Jerome, Aaron Wiggins getting minutes lately, Muscala, Roby. Uh, they're just, you know, they, they go deep. Uh, they're young, and uh, that does not help from the DFS standpoint. So, Let's get that news on Shea. As far as the Atlanta side goes, again, it could blow out. Big price on uh, Trey at 9-4. Uh, not really comfortable going to that number. We know Bogdanovich might not play. If he doesn't play, it does help Kevin Herter at 4-2. Cam Reddish at 3-6, who's really picked up his game. And Gallo, uh, Danilo Gallinari at 4-K, all Possible value plays, specifically even more so with, with uh, Bogdanovich out. Uh, you can always look to go big with Collins at 7-2, Capella at 7-6. Um, you know, if th there is a possibility that they play favors and Capella off the floor and go with, you know, a smaller lineup with like Baisley and then the other side, Collins at center. So I'm not looking at the bigs in this game. 
But, uh, you know, let's get the news on Shea and and uh, Bogdanovich. Possible value play, one on each side here at the very most, but uh, definitely not the best game to target uh, on the entire uh, board here. All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, eight o'clock game. So we've transitioned now to the eight o'clock group of games. It's the Minnesota Timberwolves at the New Orleans Pelicans. Minnesota only favored by three. Uh, the over-under is only 212.5, which is a little surprising. I thought that would be higher. Implied for Minnesota, 107.75. For the Pelicans, 104.75. So this, this game has definite potential, I think. Um, Minnesota comes in at 7-9. The Pelicans, woeful 3-15. and 15. Um, As far as injuries, we've got Nas Reed is uh, probable. Josh Kogi questionable. So we need that would help to know that. Devontae Graham is questionable. So that definitely shakes the board up a little bit for the Pelicans on their rotation uh, if he sits. Uh, Luzada and Zion, Cheeseburgers, Williamson, man after my own heart, still remains out. I don't know if we're ever going to get him back. Um, as far as the uh, statistical analysis here, We've got a couple interesting things. Minnesota is the sixth fastest team, so it's a pace up for the Pelicans. Pelicans 17th, just below mid-level. Neither team has been efficient on the offensive side, which is surprising, especially for Minnesota with all their scores. That's why the total is only 212.5. Minnesota 23rd, New Orleans 26th, so not good there. Defensive efficiency-wise, Minnesota's 10th, which is, uh, you know, definitely on the improve, and the Pelicans second to last in the entire league. So, I don't know. This game seems like it's being overlooked for some odd reason here. Um, Not going to go with the Pat Bevs, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley's, Jaden McDaniels. All those guys on a slate this big just aren't in play. The main guys are, though, D'Angelo Russell's a fair 7-6. Anthony Edwards, I think, is a little underpriced at 7-4. His price has come down from 8-1. So certain huge interest there for me. Uh, Katz come down. He's at 9-5, which is definitely playable now. Uh, He was over 10 for quite some time. So I think you've got the three studs there that you could actually consider uh, uh, one or even a combination of two in a game against uh, a a weak Pelicans defense that is supposed to, according to Vegas, stay close. Uh, Again, if, you know, if Graham doesn't play Sadoransky at 3K started in his place, not playable though. Um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, you know, more of a GPP play. I've used him in cash, and he's burned me a few times. Capability is huge ceiling at 5-4, though. So, you know, you got to consider it, uh, especially if Graham doesn't play. Josh Hart's been steady Eddie at 5.5, just staying around the same price, throwing some good games on the board, getting some solid minutes, certainly into consideration for me. Uh, the other two guys we could talk about here, if we do load up on this game, you could go either Brandon Ingram, who's sub 8K now, he's 7.9, and Joe Val is 8.9, so he had been in the 9K range. So definitely the price is down in this game all the way around. 
Uh, I'm going to have exposure here, you know, definitely at least one from each side, maybe even two T-Wolves. I think this could be a really key game on the slate. All right. Next eight o'clock game, Indiana Pacers, Chicago Bulls. Chicago is favored by three and a half. It's a 210 and a half over under. Implied total for the Pacers, 103.5 for the Bulls, uh, 107. As far as how these teams have performed, Indiana 7 and 11, four games below 500. Uh, definitely disappointing thus far. Bulls strong at 12 and 5. Uh, you know, they're, they have been consistent, especially tough at home. It is the second night of a back to back for Chicago. There's only two teams that are on back to backs on this whole slate, Chicago, one of them. So that does concern things a little bit. So we'll have to talk about that when we uh, look over the breakdown. TJ Warren remains out for Indiana. Vuk and Patrick Williams out for Chicago. Williams for the season. Um, statistically, uh, again, Chicago back-to-back, you know, our guys going to get full run. That we have to see. But we've got um, – Indiana 14th in pace, Chicago only 25th. They've been playing pretty conservative ball control type uh, offense, which has served them well. And then um, as far as offensive efficiency, Indiana middle of the pack at 16, Chicago 8th. Defensive efficiency, Indiana's only 17th. They, you're expecting to have a stronger D. Chicago 7th. So, you know, it's not like a run to this game and, you know, load some people up. Uh, I played Sabonis at 1% ownership the last game, and he absolutely was smashing. But they ended up winning by 35 points somewhere in that neighborhood, and he didn't get any run at all in the fourth quarter, didn't get much in the second half. So, you know, he's tough, man, and I think he's more focused. They had – uh, a real sit-down meeting a couple days ago, and, and now they seem to be playing better. He's uh, really focused, and I know it, he's going to be low-owned again, but he's 8-7, so he's sub-9K. I'm interested in him, man. I'm telling you, if he gets the minutes, you know, I think he can be really effective here. So he's he's high on my list for consideration. Brogdon at 7-3, his prices come down. Lavert's been very, very inconsistent. Not going to go there at 6K, which is a nice price, though. Miles Turner at 6-1 gets some interest. Uh, Duarte, sort of, the gas is coming out of the, the vehicle here. Duarte's down to 4K, but not really uh, stepping up and getting it done as much. You know, since Lavert's come back, it has definitely taken a sting out of his minutes. Um, after that, you know, it's really... It's just guys that on a slate this big for the Pacers, I'm not going to consider. For the Bulls, you've got, you know, the issue of Ball at 6'9", Levine at 9K, DeRozan at 9.1. So you've got some sharing of the basketball, DFS points getting spread around. And then Caruso at 5'2". He's been super consistent, getting massive minutes for them. Uh, you know, those guys can all be considered it's just very difficult, um, you know, to try to determine which guy is is the focal point. You know, I think DeRozan at 9-1 would get the slight edge for me, but that is an expensive ticket when he may get, you know, wildly outscored by Levine, for example. So 
something I'm going to look further at. I'm going to dig in a basketball reference, look at some of the matchups to see how some of those have played out against Indiana. You know, from my initial look, DeRozan gets the edge there, but, you know, wouldn't count out Ball, Caruso, or Levine. Not interested in Bradley, White, Green, Jones Jr., Dasunmu, their bench. I just don't think you need to go there. All right, last 8 o'clock game on the board. Orlando Magic and the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee favored by 12.5. That's the magic number. That's the third game that's got a 12.5 Vegas line. Very interesting. 102 implied for Orlando. Real healthy 114.5 uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. So this game definitely, you know, is going to get some uh, ownership. Uh, Orlando, super banged up. You know, the massive news there is Cole Anthony going to play. He is questionable. He is the top usage guy for Orlando. He's the top scorer in real life and in DFS for Orlando. And that is huge news. We really need to know if he's going to play. Um, if he doesn't play, you know, you'll get a little bit more run from Suggs uh, and uh, Gary Harris. But Suggs at that point will probably get through holiday defense. So either way, it's it doesn't look like it's going to work for me on the Orlando side. And I've, I've rostered a lot of Orlando guys, for, considering they're 4-13. and 13, uh, They've been pretty DFS-friendly from a, a scoring standpoint. Bucks are 9-8, and eight, by the way, and they're getting some momentum uh, as they've gotten their guys back and healthy again. Uh, when I'm talking about Middleton and Holiday, and, you know, Giannis is in there too. So other than that, on the Orlando side, you know, uh, injury-wise, Gary Harris probable. You know, he played the last game. Michael Carter-Williams, doubtful. Fultz, Isaac, and Moore out. So, again, they've had half their team out all year. Same three guys for Milwaukee. His last game out, DiVincenzo, Lopez, and Ojale. Statistically speaking, Orlando, eighth in pace. Milwaukee, fifth in pace. So you got to love that. You know, 216 and a half seems a little low, but that has been the trend in the NBA. Uh, I do like the pace. Offensive efficiency, of course, Orlando, young team, 27th. Milwaukee only 17th, but they just had a mishmash of injuries and guys out that will continue to get better. Uh, Orlando's 28th, that's in the league in defensive efficiency. That's why they have not done well. Uh, Milwaukee 14th in improving, but uh, certainly not to the standard that they were last year. So it does bring, bring people into play. Again, if Cole Anthony does play with zero restrictions at 7-7, that's not a bad price. But he does run right into Drew Holiday, who's a monster uh, on defense. Suggs at 5K really hasn't gotten it done. Franz Wagner at 4-1, he just seems to make it into my lineup a lot as a value play because he gets good minutes. He does a little bit of everything. He'll get you some stocks and assists and, and rebounds. So he's still in play. I love the fact that Wendell Carter Jr. is all the way down to 5'7". That brings me a lot of interest. I know that he has to go up against Giannis and Portis, and those guys can defend. But, man, that's a cheap price for a guy that, you know, if the game stays close enough, could get 35 minutes uh, and, and easily get to that number with a 5'7 tag. Mo Bamba at 6'6". Not bad. You know, he's going to get minutes as well, but... 
Giannis's defense inside and Portis's defense is pretty darn tough. So not jumping out of my seat for Orlando guys uh, could find a way to, to Wagner, you know, to make the uh, salaries work. On the Milwaukee side, again, it's tough. You know, this game could blow out. We know Coach Bud doesn't overplay his guys at all. And you do have the three studs in Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis back. So there's some split there. Some of these prices are higher because there were different guys out. So I'm not going to go to Giannis again. He's 12K. Again, I know he can score two and a half fantasy points per minute, for God's sake. The guy's unbelievable. But I just I don't feel comfortable with it. I think they could smack Orlando, especially if Cole Anthony sits. And I just, you know, I don't want to take that chance of not getting full minutes. Portis is up to 7-2. Middleton 7-8, which isn't bad at all. And Holiday 7K, which is reasonable. But I don't think I'm going to go there. I, I really not. You know, considering the usage is going to be spread around, the potential for blowout and the high prices, uh, probably not going to go there. But if I did... Uh, Drew Holiday would probably be the guy I'd go to at 7K. All right. We move to an 8.30 start. The Phoenix Suns and the San Antonio Spurs. We've got a second night of a back-to-back for Phoenix. And Monty's another coach that does not like to overtax his guys. And he gets to play against his old coach he coached with and his coaching mentor and pop who is known for resting guys more than anybody else in the history of the NBA. So you've got a big number here. It's, you know, these, these last three games happen to be just, you know, oddly enough, the three biggest totals on the board. So how strange is that? It happens more than, more than you'd think though. But uh, you know, I did, did want to mention that on the, on the jump here that it is Phoenix second night of a back to back. All right, we've got Phoenix favored by five and a half, which is sort of low, uh, 220 and a half over under, 113 implied for Phoenix, 107.5 for the San Antonio Spurs. Suns come in at 13 and three, winning just 12 in a row. That's all. Uh, they are on fire. Spurs, not good, four and 11 and going nowhere fast. Uh, questionable for Phoenix, Nader. Uh, out Kaminsky and Saric uh, for the Spurs. We have probable for Landell, not that he's in the rotation. Collins remains out. He has not suited up yet. Uh, statistically, 16th in pace for Phoenix, third for the Spurs. How, how about that shocking news? The Spurs, when have they been in the top three in pace in the league? Not often. Uh, that does help the Phoenix side a little bit. And the Vegas only being five and a half, you know, definitely this is going to be a pivotal game, whether you play it or not play it, because there's reasons to jump on it and reasons to fade it. So this could be the the pivot spot uh, for a lot of people. Uh, Offensive efficiency, Phoenix, obviously tough at seventh. Um, San Antonio, 24th, not good. Defensively, Phoenix is third. And San Antonio is 16th, so middle of the uh, middle of the pack. Interesting game here. So, how much run does Chris Paul get at 8-4, or Booker at 8-6? Uh, Mikhail Bridges at five in play. 
Uh, DeAndre Ayton at 7-1, uh, maybe. Not my cup of tea, though. I dabbled in the DeAndre Ayton the other day, and it did not go well. And you know how I feel about Ayton anyway, so we'll not be going into that mess again. And JaVale's been ridiculous DFS points per minute, but he's he's at 3-9 now, and you just never know. You know, it's it's a risk. GPP, go for it. Uh, Cam Johnson at 3-5 off the bench. Cam Payne at 3-3 might be a good play if they, uh, you know, don't extend Paul's minutes. Um, but not jumping out of my seat again for this one. A lot of sitting down today, I guess. A really particular... I don't like some of these matchups for some of these teams under the, the exact circumstances. DeJounte Murray, 9-2, you know, which is better than where he was. And he's over 10 for a while, and he has put some triple doubles on the board. But against that, you know, Phoenix stiff defense and Chris Paul, not, not in consideration as a payup option for me. Uh, after that, you just got a whole lot of nothing, to be honest with you. White, McDermott. Uh, Eubanks and and Thad Young splitting minutes. I know those guys are cheap, but they're just not worth much. I guess the only guy worth a mention is Keldon Johnson, but he's 5'9", which isn't exactly dirt cheap. And he's going to get the, the double duo of a little bit of Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder defense. So, yeah, as far as that pivot spot, this just isn't my favorite game on the board. It really isn't. I may not have any exposure to it. Uh, if there's salary left on the table, I wouldn't, you know, throw out Paul and Booker. Maybe one of them is playable in this situation or on the cheap, maybe at Mikhail Bridges, but not a key game for me either. I like these last two games better uh, than that game for sure. Island games for all four of these teams coming up. So we do have a, a 9 p.m. Eastern game and then a 10 p.m. on the last one. So we will get uh, a chance to watch these late games and, and get some good input there. All right. We've got the Memphis Grizzlies at the Utah Jazz. Utah favored by 10, which is quite a bit, but Utah's been playing some good ball. It's a 221 and a half. That's the highest total on the board. Uh, 105.75 for the Grizz. And the highest implied on the on the entire slate is the Jazz at 115.75. So this game getting a lot of respect and probably going to get a lot of play. You've got the Grizzlies at eight and nine, the Jazz at eleven and five. Uh, big news: we, you know, Dylan Brooks. He is doubtful in this game. He came back uh, for a short time. Now it looks like he's back on the shelf. They also uh, are not going to have DeAnthony Melton, which hurts them a lot. Uh, and Merrill remains out also. Utah can, still remains no injuries. Isn't that crazy? I mean, with all of the guys out and injured, I mean, they just have been so fortunate to stay completely healthy, and that's really the big reason why they're 11-5. and five. Statistically, good pace here. That's why the high total. Memphis 7th, Utah 12th. Utah's played faster this year than they've played in, in previous years. I think Coach Snyder there has just decided they're going to, you know, outplay, just get more shots up and get after it, and uh, it's worked. Uh, as far as offensively efficient, both teams have been good. Memphis 13th, respectable. Utah 2nd in the entire league, so that's outstanding. 
And then a big reason for uh, the higher total here, can you believe the Memphis Grizzlies are dead last in the league in defense? I mean, they have just plummeted defensively. Uh, you know, not having Brooks has just destroyed them. I mean, they were in the upper half of the, the league defensively with Dylan Brooks in there. And then not having Joe Valley, as much as he fouled, he was a big body and got in the way and was aggressive. So, you know, they traded him. So, you know, it's tough, but uh, that's the thing that's really uh, hurting them a lot. So it does bring this game into play. I mean, there's no doubt. Utah's fourth in, in defense, by the way, as well. So, John Morant, uh, Morant 9-7, a little pricey against you know, a Utah team playing in the elevation, good defense. Don't know if that's the best play. Jaw did have a really terrible game uh, last time out. So, I, I mean, you know he's going to bounce back and come out with fire in his eyes, but I don't know if I could pay the 9-7. Uh, Desmond Bain, up and down 4-9, you know, not a bad value. Um, Jaron Jackson at 6 decent value but after that it's tough um you know kyle anderson i thought was a good play last time out he didn't get it done uh you know taking the anthony melton spot in minutes tyus jones was the one that made a bunch of shots but gpp only at three four um after that you know you, you just get a lot of nothing you know brandon clark at three two can have a decent game but not really cash type uh player player here i think bain and maybe anderson or jackson are your best bets there uh, if you want to roster have some exposure on both sides here utah certainly you know if this game stays close enough uh you know that's the key but conley at five seven dirt cheap is a nice play donovan mitchell's just you know been fantastic he's been so steady uh eight five not a bad price i think he's rosterable uh, Bogdanovich at 5'3", uh, and Royce O'Neal at 4'2", just not really jumping off the, the page for me. But, you know, O'Neal at 4'2", sometimes his last man in can be uh, a value, but, you know, risky. Rudy Gobert at 8'3", you know, this this could be a, a strong game for him. Uh, Adams just, you know, has really slowed down, uh, doesn't uh, really get the coverage defensively as he used to. Uh, so Gobert at that price, if you want to pay up at center, uh, isn't the worst play. And then, you know, the one guy off the bench there, Clarkson at 5-1, you know, he's a hit or miss guy pretty much too, but uh, certainly can get to the number. All right. Last game on the slate. It's 10 p.m. game, Philadelphia, Sacramento. Sacramento only a two and a half point favorite, which I shouldn't say only because it's surprising that they're favorite at all. But they are, and it's a 220 and a half over or under. We know Alvin Gentry is a running gun coach. Get the ball up the floor. He wants it up the floor in five seconds, uh, even on made baskets and uh, a shot up within eight or nine. That's really what he's coached in the past. So I think you're going to see uh, some more interest from Sacramento and Philly. You should hear before people adjust. Vegas has already adjusted. They see that 220 and a half over under. So I like this game a lot. Uh, it's cool that it's the last game because I don't let time affect which teams I'm or guys I'm going to play.
but I do like this game. I think it's going to be a pace up game compared to what the statistics show. So I'm excited about this one. Uh, did I say 109 implied for Philly, 111 and a half for Sacramento? So both sides, uh, I like, uh, you know, that number. Philly's nine and eight. You know, they've had to play without Joel uh, for a while here. And uh, Sacramento's six and 11, but new coach, new life for that team. Uh, as far as uh, uh, questionable for Philly, you have, you have uh, Green. So we've got Danny Green uh, maybe in, maybe out. Interesting to see that. And good old buddies Embiid and Simmons are not playing. Sacramento, no injuries. So that is a plus. Sacramento, 6-11, and 11, as I mentioned. Uh, but, you know, we'll see the new lease on life with Alvin Gentry getting them going. Is, are they going to change the lineup? That's the other thing. You know, uh, right now they're, they're plugged in to start who they've been starting which is Fox, Halliburton, Barnes, Metu, and Holmes. I would not be surprised if Gentry doesn't shake up this lineup. You know, he could go to a Buddy Hield, a Harkless, a Davion Mitchell, uh, Tristan Thompson, Marvin Bagley, who knows, even Terrence Davis. So uh, I'm going to be watching this very, very closely because you're going to get some value here in this game, depending on, you know, uh, figuring out what Gentry's starting lineup is and what his rotation looks like. But I like this game a lot. The pace right now, Philly's 24th, but they're going to be sped up by Sacramento today. Sacramento's already fourth. Don't be surprised if you don't see them end up first here uh, in not too long of time. Uh, offensive efficiency, they both could score the ball. That's the other thing. Philly is third, but you know, without Embiid, that's a skewed number. Sacramento is 14th, and then neither team is defending well, and that's what excites me even more. You have 23rd and 24th for these two teams. So what is it looking like here? I may have three guys from this game uh, and just sitting there in the middle of the pack and then get up there and, and grab it here, hopefully. Maxi in play at 7-4, no question. Um not as high on Seth Curry, but can be, can be considered. And then you've got guys that, that you really have to look at. Tobias Harris at 8-1 and Andre Drummond at 7-8. I think those guys uh, are both priced fairly. There's going to be more percentages, more usage to be had. And, you know, you've also got a few guys you can look at. If Thibel's back at 3-2, he may be in the rotation. Um, you know, we need that news on Curry. Because Cork Maz at 3-9 is a possibility. Same thing with Shake at 4-7. So you've got a lot to choose from there. Um, and really trying to zone in on one or two of these guys. I really wouldn't mind having a Maxi Harris type of duo here uh, against the Kings with an up up-paced game. On the other side, Darren Fox six. He's been pointing uh consistently. He's not shot well from outside. But I do like the speed in this game. And I think Fox may be benefit the most of anybody on this team uh, with Gentry taking over. So very could, very well could have Fox in the lineup uh, tonight. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, we have to see what this rotation is going to look like. He's 5'9", Hield's 5'3", Davion Mitchell 3'6". So let's see who's starting. Uh, let's see if we can get some coach speaker beat writer news on Twitter and uh, determine what that's going to be. 
Uh, Harrison Barnes, another you know fair guy to take here at 6-3. His price has come down consistently. He was almost to eight, I believe, but it's been in the sevens for a long time. At this 6-3 number, I think Barnes, you know, really uh, steps up and could be playable. Uh, because I don't know the rotation that Gentry is going to play with the bigs, I'm not going to dive on the whole Metu, uh, Holmes, Tristan Thompson, Bagley, you know, even Maurice Harkless and those guys. I need to wait and see. I think it's a little bit too risky there. So that is it, my friends. The whole enchilada, 10 games, right straight through. Got them all in. Got them in in good time. Uh, love this slate tonight. I, I know it's going to be a four or five crown slate for me, uh, for our members uh, in Discord. So I'm excited to get this lineup together. Um, definitely need uh, some of this news to come through. But, uh, you know, really appreciate everybody look, uh, listening in. Uh, join us, dfscoachtalk.com, three-day pass, 10 bucks, five-day, 19 Great time to check us out during this holiday week of Thanksgiving with all the basketball and all the football going on. So uh, we'd love to have you. Check us out on Twitter, at DFS Coach Talk. I am at Joe Sarvati, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. If you haven't done it yet, on the way out here on YouTube, thumbs up, hit the the, uh, subscribe button, and make a little comment there. That really helps us uh, move up the algorithm. So we appreciate you. Also on, on uh, YouTube, hit, hit that little uh, button in the top corner there. Uh, the bell will give you uh, information of when all of our podcasts post. So we would love to have you check those out. Uh, we appreciate you. Hope everybody that's traveling here for Thanksgiving to get to family and friends are safe and healthy. So, uh, you know, if you're listening in while you're traveling, download the po- podcast and and catch us it's a it's a good thing uh you know when you're stuck on a plane or in a car as you're traveling around to catch uh, some good basketball dfs info so uh again thank you for listening in appreciate all of you have a wonderful day and uh we'll be back again tomorrow andrew's gonna ride ride the uh ship here uh on uh tuesday and then i'll be back on wednesday for that monster slate so Thanks again. Have a great one. And we'll be back tomorrow as we look to crush it in NBA DFS.